this song is a prayer, and I hope it blesses you, but I hope it becomes your prayer as well as mine this morning. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we, we are so humbled to be here in your house. And Lord, we do pray that today you, your spirit would stir within us a fertile soil to receive what you have to say to us, a fertile soil in our hearts where we will embrace and accept what you put into us through your son, Jesus Christ. 
God, we are so distracted and we are so broken. And I pray, God, that this hour would be for you. I pray, God, as we read your word, that you would speak to our hearts directly and that, that what we hear, what we read, would take root and not just be a passive exercise as we leave this place and say, well, I've done my duty. No, God, break us. Please, Lord, just remove whatever hindrance is there, whether it's our pride, whether it is worries, whatever it is, Lord, responsibilities. Many of us in this room may have things on our minds right now outside of this place that is distracting us from you. And I pray, God, that you would remove that and that your voice would be clear. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. Y'all glad to be in the house for the Lord this morning? Amen. Well, welcome to Sovereign Grace. It's good to see everyone here. It's good to see those who have been out. <laughs> uh, guys, welcome back. Y'all have been sick for a couple of months, so we're glad y'all are back. Uh, the Stewart family back here in the back, uh, they've just been dealing with a lot of sickness. I know other people have been dealing with a lot of sickness. We're glad that you're back in, in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. At this time, are there any children that need to be dismissed? They're welcome to stay in, but if parents want to take them out, they're more than welcome. God bless you guys. Well, turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. As we continue in this wonderful gospel together, we are now into uh, the teachings of Jesus that come through parables. Last year, we were heavy into the Sermon on the Mount, verses, uh, chapters 5 through 7, and we've been working our way to chapter 13. And now we have what is called the third discourse of Matthew's gospel. And this is a section that now introduces many of Jesus's uh, most profound teachings through parables. And so if you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word. And let us begin in verse one. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Mm, let's pray. Dear Father God, this simple parable, this simple teaching of your word that proclaims your kingdom. Lord, as, as your son, Jesus Christ, is sowing the word to us this morning 
as we are listening to his words here. I pray that you would stir our hearts to hear and that you would stir our hearts to uh, actually allow the word to take root. Lord, please cause your word to produce roots within us that consume us. Please, dear God, cause your word and your kingdom to so overtake us that that's the only thing that grows. Lord, this is your time, and I pray that you'd speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have a seat. Have a seat. Um, as we begin to examine these parables of Jesus here in Matthew 13, I want us to remember the purpose of this method of instruction. This is what we looked at last week in verses uh, 10 through 17. Let's remember here that the main purpose by which Jesus is speaking, he's speaking these parables because there were those who were listening in the crowds who were meek and humble in spirit. Even the disciples are told, being told, they are, they're being told, you are humble in spirit and you have been given the kingdom. But there were many crowds who were surrounding him. We see this in uh, chapter 13, verse 1. The setting is, this is where Jesus was so overwhelmed with crowds that he had to get into a boat there on the seashore and kind of get a little bit away from them so that he could teach. But in these crowds, there were those who were meek and humble in spirit, and they would find rest for their troubled souls in Jesus' teaching as they heard the truth and the teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Yet, in contrast, in the crowds, many in the crowds, probably the majority in the crowds, they had offensive spirits or divisive spirits. They were not eager to listen. They were not eager to receive the truth of the gospel. They were there under their own law-keeping. They were the ones who put their hope not in Christ. They put their hope in their own obedience to the law. As such, God's act of judgment caused them to only hear confusing words. I want you to notice the difference here when we're listening to Jesus' teaching here in the parables, because this is what Jesus was telling us last week when we were looking at verses 10 through 17. There are those who will see, they have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. And if they do not see, and if they do not hear, this is actually partially, mostly an act of judgment from God causing them not to see or hear clearly because of their hearts. They were hard-hearted. They were divisive in their spirits. Yet those who were humble and meek in spirit would see clearly and they would hear clearly and the kingdom of heaven would take root. You see what's happening here? So the theme here of the parable of the sower focuses upon the differences between how the preaching of the kingdom of heaven is received. The kingdom of heaven, according to Jesus, is like seed being sown for a crop. Anyone here ever sown grass seed or sown any kind of crop? No, I'm not talking about just putting a seed in a hole. I'm talking about scattering the seed, right? This week I wasn't scattering seed, but I was scattering uh, salt on the sidewalks out here trying to keep the ice from taking over. You ever done that? And you can spread a lot of salt or you can spread a lot of seed by a lot of movement like this. Have you ever done that, right? 
This is the, Jesus is using this imagery here in the parable to tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like seed being sown wide and far. Jesus and his disciples preached the word. They preached the word of God. And the word is sown like a farmer sowing seed. That's the first thing we need to understand here. Even though there, there, there is much in the Gospels that Jesus does that is strategic and, and specific, the parable here is showing us that the preaching of the Word of God, the living out of the kingdom of God, is like someone who is sowing seed widely. So, and wherever it lands is where it lands. And so, so the nature of the kingdom, according to the teaching here by Jesus, is to begin by scattering the word widely, like seed. Or, when we see over in Matthew 13, verse 47, Jesus, there's another parable we'll get to, where Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of heaven. It, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown out into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. So the preaching of the kingdom of heaven, the preaching of the word of God is like a wide broth, a breath, right? It, it goes widely, intentionally, right? It's not a random thing so much as, I mean, there is a, there is a, there's part of it being random as you're scattering seed, but there's also a direct direction that you're casting the seed as well. Amen. And this is what Jesus is telling us about the kingdom of heaven. It is the word of God being preached widely. The farmer who sows seed casts hands full of seed over the ground as he walks and he tosses the seed. Although ground is everywhere. Let's think about this. Ground is everywhere. And when you're casting seed, it's going to land somewhere, <laughs> right? Although the ground is everywhere, there are obstacles that hinder or choke out the seed where the seed lands. You ever, anyone ever enter, uh, encountered that when you're trying to sow grass seed? I, I, I've, I've had that situation several times over my life where you're trying to get a yard growing, right? And you just cast the seed out as best you can. And wherever it lands, that's where it grows, right? Sometimes where it lands, it doesn't grow, Right? But you have to do the work. You've got to cast the seed in order for the seed to take root. So in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, this parable, it's using analogies of natural obstacles that hinder the spoken word of God. It's a hindrance. The spoken word of God concerning the kingdom of God is hindered from taking root in fertile soil. Yet it does land in fertile soil. Let's look at the different imagery here, the analogies that are shown. The first one is the worn path where no root takes place and seeds come and devour it. The next thing we see is that, that some of this seed, this preaching of the word of God, lands on rocky ground. In other words, ground that is shallow or very little soil that is full of rock. No depth, very shallow. Thirdly, there is a place where the, land, the seeds land, where thorns are. And the thorns, they're basically weeds. They choke out the seed that actually passes through the thorns down to the ground. You ever experienced that? And then fourthly, seed lands on good soil. And what happens in the good soil? There's prosperous growth and harvest. And as Jesus is going through these analogies, he concludes here in verse 9, he who has ears, 
Let him hear. Remember last week as we were looking at Jesus talking about eyes and ears, the question I have at this point before we go into the, uh, the, the explanation of the, of the parable, my question to all of us here who are listening, do you have ears to hear the Word of God this morning? Are your ears attentive? Are your ears open to listening to the Word of God being scattered and being preached? Are you listening to what God is having to say? If not, this is the time to meditate and pray, even as we're sitting here right now, dear Lord, open my ears. Amen. Some of us may be sitting in this room right now and we are confident in our faith. Hallelujah. Yet there are obstacles in our lives just this week that may be on your mind at the moment, may be in your spirit at the moment. I would ask that you pause right now and say, dear God, open my ears so that I can hear. Amen. I mean, this is an interesting parable. There are great crowds here surrounding Jesus, and he tells them about the kingdom of heaven. This is his way of teaching. Now, Jesus is having compassion here, even for the crowds, yet he knows in the crowds there are those who will not hear. He knows that in the crowds there will be those who will have obstacles in their hearts, and and the word of God will not take root. Yet there are those in that crowd who will have soil in their hearts that is ready to receive. We know that after he teaches this, verses 10 through 17, the disciples are with him and they ask him, why do you teach in parables and what does this parable mean? So now in verse 18, here's what Jesus says to the disciples. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Anybody here ever walked along a path? What's the nature of a path that a lot of people walk on? It's worn down. It is harder, generally, than the surrounding soil because so much traffic comes along and that path becomes so hard that any seed that falls on it will not take root and it's just resting there on top of the ground. It doesn't even break the ground and it's great places for birds to come and just have a feast. But we see here in verse 19, what is Jesus saying? This is the imagery of an evil, the evil one, Satan, comes and snatches away the seed that has been sown because the path is so hard. Verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Does that sound familiar? This is generally the situation of those who are, who come to Christ, who come, who hear the word of God preached in an emotional setting. And they come with joy, celebrating the fact that they have heard the word of God and they come and shake the preacher's hand or they come and they pray. This last week in Atlanta, there's this uh, an annual conference that has become very big now, the Passion Conference. I've never gone to the Passion Conference. I've never watched or heard any of the preaching from the Passion Conference. I know there are some key speakers there that I highly respect, but I also know that many people coming out of this conference this week are coming out with an emotional high. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to them? Has the Word of God reached them? I would say some, but I would also say many not. 
Whatever they've walked away with may be a very shallow emotional experience that may not last. Verse 22, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That, that, that could be many of us in this room who are faithful to the gospel. And we're going to unpack that here in a minute. There, there are cares of the world that grow right alongside the kingdom of heaven, and it's very subtle, and it chokes out the word. Verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, and in another sixty, and in another thirty. Verse 23 explains exactly the seed that falls on the good soil. This is the soil of the heart that receives the gospel with humility and with joy, but but it takes root and it consumes the heart and everything goes exactly as God's kingdom is intended to go. It grows and it prospers. We're going to take a look at some of this. See, the gift of Jesus to his disciples was that they had ears and eyes to see, but even they had questions. And so verses 18 through 23, this is Jesus' gift to them. I'm going to explain to you the parable. Jesus doesn't do this with all the parables. He's going to do this with one more in chapter 13, but this is the first of two. And Jesus spends private time with his disciples and says, here's what this means. Why does he do this? Because he knew that his disciples were attuned to the kingdom of heaven. They were already a part of the kingdom and they were ready to understand. So he gives them more direct teaching here. Notice he doesn't do this to the crowds. He does this with his disciples who are right there with him, who are ready to listen to the truth, who are ready for more depth and more teaching. Jesus' words to the crowds and his disciples, even though they're analogy in parables, these words were intended to bring comfort. They're intended to bring peace. They're intended to bring new life. That's the purpose of the parables. That's the purpose of the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? To bring peace, to bring comfort, to bring new life. Jesus' words, whether they were in the sermon, like in the Sermon on the Mount, or whether Jesus' words are like on one-on-one conversation with people, whether his words are in a parable, all of Jesus' words possess the power to cleanse the soul. I want us to pause right here. All of the words that Jesus speaks, all of the words that God gives us in this Blessed book of ours, that he's, this Bible that he's given us, this is his book. All of these words, they are intended to bless. They are intended to comfort. They are intended to cleanse the soul through the forgiveness of sin. Amen? They're intended to, to bring restoration to dead souls. They're intended to bring people to life, to open the spiritual eyes of the blind, to open the deaf ears and to the reality of the kingdom of God. That's what this is for. So as we're reading the parables, is that your attitude? As you're hearing these parables, is that what you're seeing? Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That's the imagery of the seeds that fall on the path. Let's understand that the seeds are the words spoken. Jesus' words. The disciples, when they teach and they preach, and and then later as the apostles teach and preach, that's what the seeds are. Even now, you and I who are ministers of the gospel, 
All of us in this room who are Christians, who are redeemed by the blood of Christ, when we speak the word of God, we're casting seeds. Amen? The sower here is the preacher. In this case, it would be Jesus as he's teaching, but also his disciples, etc. is gone and on. So actually, you and I, when we are truthfully and faithfully speaking the word of God, talking about the kingdom of heaven, we're sowing seed. We are the sowers. Okay? Wherever these words are sown in the hearts of men, the kingdom of God is sown. That's what we have to understand here. That's what Jesus is telling us here in verse 19. Wherever the word of God scatters, that's where the kingdom of God scatters. Now that'll humble you a little bit when you think about the words that you use. It will humble us when we think about if this is what Jesus is teaching and we are given the same responsibility that Jesus is doing here as he gives to his disciples, including us later, well, the words that we speak about the kingdom of God are the seeds that are sown into the hearts of men. Does that humble you a little bit? Cause us to think about the words we use? Wherever the seed is sown... That seed is given a chance. God's kingdom comes. Wherever a seed lands and gets underneath the ground, it has a chance to do mighty things. You ever, you ever watch like in the spring is coming? I know we've had a lot of snow and ice this week and several people are just in doom and gloom and, and, and in misery because of this. But this morning it's, of course, the Canadian, our Canadian friends here up front are happy. They feel like they're at home now with the snow and the ice. Tanner had a birthday this week and he had snow on his birthday. That was his birthday present. He had snow. But we in the South, we just see that as a a temporary misery. But I will say this, and this is a sidetrack. When I I told you I have, I've sown seed before. You know, the best time to sow grass seed is when there's snow on the ground. Try it sometime because in the spring, all that seed gets down into the dirt and it comes up beautifully. Just try that. Wherever seed lands, this seed of God's word, it gets underneath the ground if it has a chance. And when it does, it does great things. Things come up in the springtime that we're just amazed at. Wow, where did that come from? That ground was dead just a week ago. <laughs> wow. It takes root and it overtakes the immediate ground. It grows and it increases and it produces fruit. That's also what the kingdom of heaven is intended to do. To be in the hearts of men to take root, to to overtake the heart, to increase and to produce fruit. The fruit contain the fruit that is produced, think about this, fruit contains more seed. And more seed to grow, more seed to plant, more growth will occur, and then more fruit will occur, and more seed will occur, and then more fruit will occur, and more seed will occur. You see what Jesus is teaching here? The words of God are intended to multiply and grow. The words of God are not intended for us to grab hold in our heart and never share. The kingdom of God takes root in the hearts of men. It's not built by the hands of men. It's built by the words of God. In the same way, the word of God, this word of the kingdom, it speaks through Christ. It speaks through us, his people, and those who are dedicated to serve the kingdom as God directs. This word takes root and it overcomes the powers of evil in order to restore God's creation. You know, this is why the kingdom of heaven must come 
We have no hope apart from it. God's creation is fallen. And it requires new growth. And it requires new life. Only God Himself can do this. And so this is how the kingdom of God claims that which was isolated from Him long ago. That's the beauty of the gospel. God comes to reclaim and restore what was fallen. Amen? And that's what's happening here with seed. When the Word of God takes root in the heart of sinful men, it penetrates and it does wonderful things. Think about this. Only a few simple words from God can burst into your soul and the light and grace and the power of God will overwhelm us. Would you agree? Think about those moments in your Christian life where you can point to that was when God spoke to me. Think about those times. Those are amazing times of change. Those are amazing times of spiritual growth. They can also be amazing times of conviction in order to restore and replenish what God intends for us. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about here. The words of God burst into the soul and the light and the grace of His power, they overwhelm us. We can look back in church history and when we see times of great revival, every time of great revival in the history of the church originated with God's word being preached. Nothing less. Amen? Not some emotional high, not some new word from the Lord. Genuine revival in the church history is the word of God preached. That's what takes root. That's what causes new life. That's great revival. This is the work of God's Holy Spirit and the work of Christ in us. Now, when we look here in verse 19 through uh, 23, we see this is what is happening here. These different types of soil show us rejection of the Word of God, a worn path, rocky ground, thorns. These images show us what is hindering the Word of God from taking root. It actually reflects what is rejection of the kingdom. The sower is the preacher of God's Word. The soil is the human heart. And the human heart is either tilled and ready, or it's filled with obstacles that need to be removed. That's the, that, 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 there's no other way to understand this. Jesus makes it real clear. The soil is the heart. The seed is the kingdom of the word of God. Even us who speak the gospel, we must be ready to sow seed. And where the seed lands, we have to see what the condition of the heart is. Sometimes God may use us to till the soil rather than sow the seed. Sometimes God may cause us to go and take out the rocks and the stumps and the thorns Sometimes we may preach the word and, it, and the seed just lands in these types of hearts and it is God's direction on what happens. Verse 19 here, when we're talking about the path, this is the hard heart. The worn path is a hard heart. What does a hard heart look like? I would say that the worn path, a hard heart in our modern context is a busy mind or soul where many things are happening 
where many things wear us down. Think about a, a path that many people walk along. There's a lot of activity back and forth, and it hardens the ground. Are our busy minds and souls this way? Are there a lot of things coming and going, hardening our heart from receiving the Word of God? Many things wear down a path, and it keeps the seed from penetrating the soil. It keeps the soil from receiving and embracing the seed. And our hearts, if we're hard, that's the same thing. There's nothing there to receive the soil or to receive the seed. Our, so, our heart, the soil, is too hard. And the Word of God just lands on top, on the surface. There's no understanding. There's no reception. There's no penetration. There's no growth. If this is the case, the blame is on the hearer. The blame is on the hard heart for permitting the evil one to busy the mind, permitting the evil one to harden the heart. When we're moving along the path so quickly, we do not stop long enough to prepare the heart for the hearing of God's Word. The hard path rejects the seed. The hard heart rejects the Word. There's no other explanation here according to Jesus. The hard path is just pure rejection. And the evil one, like birds, comes and has a feast and takes the seed away, leaving nothing. The path is so worn down that the seed cannot take root. And this is an easy path for Satan to snatch away what God is planting. You see the problem here? If the seed cannot take root, it is easy prey. It's an easy meal. And Satan's looking for the hard path. He's looking for the hard heart so that he can take away the Word of God because it never took root to begin with. Now look here at verse 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. Underline that. He has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. I see here two things. We see God's sovereignty and, and proclaiming the word of God and casting the word of God. The kingdom is now cast onto this thin soil. Yet there is the second part, the human responsibility. There is no root in himself. Both are at play here. This is the superficial heart. You know folks like that? They're just superficial. There's no depth to them at all. Rocky soil is shallow, and most of the good soil, if there's any at all, is very thin and sitting on top of the rock. The soil is filled with rock, and the heart hears the Word of God, but the sincerity is so shallow that no root can take hold and no growth develops. Anyone ever been in that situation? I mean, our, our Christian lives have different seasons. And as we're hearing this parable, we may say, yeah, that was a season of my life. That may be the season you're in right now. Is your soil so shallow that when you hear the word of God, there's no sincerity there? You may even reply with joy. That's what Jesus says here in verse 21. <laughs> you hear the word, actually verse 20, 
You hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. You may have a, an emotional high when you hear God's word and you may think the Holy Spirit is doing something in me. Hallelujah! But your heart is shallow. It doesn't take long for the truth to be shown. So how many are saved at hearing the gospel? How many are saved at these great evangelistic events? This is something that I, I think there's a place for evangelistic events. I think there is a place for that. Yet the problem in the 20th century church of America and even into the 21st century is that in order to have, quote, successful ministry, we have to have evangelism events. I think there's a place for it. I just don't think that's where we place our faith. Because this is what mostly happens. How many are moved by emotion, by a passionate preacher, or a passionate worship service? Some of us may have even experienced that in our life. We've been moved with emotion at a wonderful time of preaching and a wonderful time of worship, yet in time the truth reveals itself. There was no root in the seed. Here's what George Whitfield, the great preacher of the, of, of the Great Awakening, said. Someone asked him, how many souls were saved in your preaching? Because you know, he preached to great crowds. And this was before the time of, uh, of sound equipment. Okay? He would preach and his words, his voice would carry to thousands of people gathered to hear him preach. And someone asked him one time, how many souls were saved in your preaching? Here's his answer. We'll see in a few years. Sometimes that may be the only evidence that the Holy Spirit has done a work in someone, that the Word of God has actually taken root. Sometimes we, we can celebrate for anyone who comes to faith and says, the Lord has spoken to me. I am sorry for my sins. I am, I'm asking for forgiveness of my sins. And we celebrate with them in that. Yet, as George Whitfield says, we'll see in a few years. Salvation needs time to be demonstrated. Salvation doesn't need time to happen, but salvation needs time to be demonstrated. This is why, especially with children, we want to honor what God is doing in their hearts because they are in this room right now listening to the Word of God being preached. And let me encourage you, you may think they're not listening, you may think they're being distracting, but the Word of God is going deep into their hearts, whether you realize it or not. Yet, there is wisdom in taking time to see what happens in the heart of a child before we Welcome them into the fellowship and we baptize them. There's education there. There's, there's discipleship there. Not just for children, but for adults as well sometimes. We need to see sometimes evidence of salvation. Verse 22. Let's take a look at what Jesus says here about verse 22. And for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This is the divided heart. This is the heart who's, who embraces the, the gospel, but there are other things there as well. Think about this. Thorns cover and choke anything in the soil beneath it. Even though seed here, like the sower could be casting seed, and seed may fall through the thorns and the vines to the ground below, and it may even take root. But as it grows up, it's going to grow up in the midst of these vines and these thorns. 
and the responsibilities of the world choke out the seedlings of the gospel that try to grow. Anyone ever been in that situation? You may be there right now. Here's the thing. A thorny weed does not choke suddenly, but gradually, almost without notice. Would everybody agree? You have wonderful, beautiful crops growing, but the seeds are in the, 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 the weeds and the thorns are just kind of intertwined. It's as if the thorns and the weeds intertwine with the, the, the great vegetation below. And so the gospel may take root beneath the thorns, and it may actually start flourishing and grow, but right alongside the thorns and the weeds. And the word of God that does make it to the ground beneath grows right along with them as if they belong together. This is deception. This is what Jesus is telling us here about the thorns. There's deception here. The allure of culture, the allure of success, the allure of political debate. Evangelical Christians, are you hearing me? The allure of politics, the allure of status, the allure of wealth, even the allure of responsibilities at home. They divide the heart between the cares of the world and the demands of the kingdom. And it's a very subtle act of the evil one. It's a very subtle thing that the evil one will cause the thorns to grow right alongside the gospel and the kingdom that's in our hearts as if it belongs there. And we don't notice it. See, God's kingdom demands full devotion. No weeds or thorns can exist for the properly rooted plant or sapling to grow well. The distractions of our society, the distractions of our lives, the allure of things and ideas that divide the heart, they destroy whatever sense of the kingdom or the word of God exists. And it's so subtle, we're not aware of it. The danger of those who hear God's word is that the choking of the thorns is subtle. Many Christians are being choked right now by the allure of political debate and cultural turmoil to see that the true Christian is deceived. Now, the true nature of the Christian heart is to love, it is to forgive, it is to proclaim Christ rather than being angry at those who have an ideology that is opposed to us. We are so divided in the church because we have replaced the kingdom of God with the politics of the United States of America. We have allowed cultural divide to blind us to the truth of the kingdom. Now, I'm the first one to tell you we are no longer a Christian nation. I'm not going to even debate that. We're not a Christian nation anymore. We're not. Yet we are citizens of the kingdom. Do we allow things that we see in the media to dictate our thinking, or do we allow the kingdom of God to dictate our thinking? The true nature of the Christian is to love, to forgive, and to proclaim Christ wherever we are, to whoever God places in front of us. No politician, no nation, no cultural ideology, not even the LGBTQ people will save the soul. Only the kingdom of God will. Period. 
And if we are not careful, our hearts will be divided and will allow the thorns of the evil one to distract us from the truth of the gospel. And we'll become so hateful and bitter and hard without realizing it that we think it's we're doing the Christian duty, but we're not. You see, here's the thing. Members of the kingdom of heaven prosper in the good-tilled soil of the heart, the soil that Christ himself prepares, the soil that the Holy Spirit nurtures. All other seed that comes is thorny and destructive. The other thing to think about here with thorns, we can also think of this in another imagery. It's been said that if you want to know what water is, you don't ask the fish. You ever heard that? If you want to know what water is, don't ask the fish. Why? Because fish do not know that they're wet. What about seed that is growing with the thorns? Do you know what weeds are? You don't know because the weeds are growing right alongside you as if they belong there. Culture is what is distracting us. Culture is for humans what water is for fish. The environment we live in and think in is what we see as normal. So if our normal way of thinking and our normal environment is filled with things that are not of God, that's what we're going to think is normal. Yet if there is a subtle mention of the gospel right alongside things that are not godly, we think they belong. However, unlike fish and water, we make our own environments. This is, the, this is the danger here of the thorns. When we allow culture and success and politics and status and wealth and responsibilities to divide our heart, we are the ones who have planted our own thorns. And we don't realize it. We plant our own thorns. This is the warning of our Savior. Don't let that choke out the gospel. Don't let that choke out what God is doing. Don't let that choke out what the true preaching of God's word is doing in your heart. Don't let that stuff take root and deceive you in thinking it is right along with the gospel. Amen? That's what Jesus is saying. Now, lastly, here's the good news. Verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and in another 60 and in another 30. This is joyful reception of the kingdom of God. The, the word of God is, is planted deep in the good soil and it produces many good things. That is what Jesus is saying is the true Christian. The good soil is the fruitful heart. The good soil is the heart where the Word of God blossoms and grows well. The good soil is where things grow. But think about this. Things that grow well do not grow fast and wither like they do in the shallow soil. They do not, they are not polluted with thorns and weeds. The Word of God takes root in the heart that is plowed, that is cleared, and is prepared for planting. The Holy Spirit is the one who clears the soul of the thorns that divide the heart. The Holy Spirit is the one who clears the soul of the rocks that make the soil shallow. The Holy Spirit is the one who clears out and tills up the worn paths that keep the soul hard. The kingdom of God starts small. That's the other thing we got to see here. The kingdom of God starts small. 
like a seed being sown. The kingdom of God is not something that has come on the scene in a rush with a fast success rate. The nature of the kingdom of heaven, and this is the thing about the parables, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. The parables are not so much about you and me as it is about the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Let's ponder that. Because the kingdom of God starts small and it spreads and it grows. It, It needs to be cultivated. It needs care. It needs time. The parables of Jesus can be as simple as these are good moral lessons. Let's not neglect, let's not ignore that. The parables contain great moral lessons. And the parables of Jesus also contain deep spiritual lessons. But we can at the same time, we can miss the bigger point and completely see that all the parables have to teach us about the kingdom of God. The parables teach us what the kingdom of God is like. That's what we need to focus on. Matthew verse 13, verse 17, remember as Jesus was talking to the disciples, He said, they no long, they long to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it as He's talking about the prophets of old who longed for the coming of the Messiah. They did not have the blessing that the disciples did and they missed it. Every parable is significant in two ways. It is a meaning that has a story. It has meaning as a spiritual truth and a kingdom truth. But let's think here. As as, as we go along here in verse 13, we're going to wrap up with this. In order to understand the parables moving forward in chapter 13, here's what I want us to understand. If we start first with the human natural meaning of the parables, trying to climb upward to the spiritual meaning, we're, we're doing a vain work. It'll never reach success. So do not start the parables with, okay, what's in this for me? What's what's Jesus saying about being a good moral person? You'll never reach the end. You have to understand this. The parables can only be understand understood from the heavenly spiritual meaning looking down toward us rather than us looking upwards toward heaven. I want that to sink in a little bit deeper. The only way to understand the parables is to first see the heavenly divine meaning that comes down to us rather than us trying to start here and climb our way to heaven. That's what Jesus is telling us here. Unless one is first a part of the kingdom of God, you're going to struggle. You cannot truly understand the meaning and and the relevance of these images, the the analogies of the parable of the kingdom of God will be confusing. So parables do test us. I want to drive this point home. This is the last point. Parables test us. That's the part of this too. Jesus is teaching this as a test and it's a test of our attitudes and our position as hearers of the gospel to show whether or not we are attuned to the kingdom or not. That's something to ponder too. So as Nathan comes, let me ask you this. Again, we don't want this to be about us alone. This is about the kingdom of heaven. But as you experience the word of God, whether it's your own personal private time with the Lord, whether it's here with God's people worshiping together, 
whether it is God speaking to you in your prayer life. What's landing? What's taking root? Is Christ our Savior? Has He prepared your heart to receive the truth? Are there areas of our heart, maybe the whole heart's this way, maybe our heart really is not receiving the truth of the gospel because it is either worn down hard like a path, or it's filled with rocks and we're shallow, or we're deceived with deceptions and things that are dividing our hearts. We can't take that stuff out on our own. That's the last, that's the biggest thing we want to take away from here. Because sometimes when, when people teach the parables, they use it as, okay, what are you going to do so that God can save you? What is God doing in your heart to prepare that soil? What are you, what are you receptive? To? In other words, what are you submitting to? Are you submitting to God tilling up the ground? It hurts a lot. You ever had a, a plow go deep down into the ground? Can you imagine being uh, uh, the ground and that, gra- and that, plow breaks you, that might hurt if the ground actually was alive. <laughs> but, it, but it might be necessary. There might be, need to be some breaking going on. There might need to be some purging going on. Is God doing that? Let me close this in prayer. Father God Almighty, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the truth of the Gospel being presented by Your Son, Jesus Christ, that the truth of your kingdom being spoken here and taught here through the parables. And I pray, God, all who are listening to this this morning, God, that you would be preparing their hearts to make it good soil. I thank you, God, for teaching us this way through your son, that, that, he, that Jesus teaches us what is in the soil hindering the acceptance of the gospel. Lord, that's not something that we have the power to fix. Only you can do this. And I pray, God, that you would. And I pray, God, that, the, that, that your kingdom would take root in all of us here. Anyone here who is, who is struggling with accepting and understanding your word, Lord, I pray that you are doing a work in them right now. And I pray that their heart would be softened and their heart would be tilled and their heart would be cleared so that the truth of your gospel will take root. I pray that that happens because this is what Christ wanted. He wanted the kingdom to take root in those who heard him speak and teach. Same way here, Father. I pray that this time would be for you and that you would do what you need to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.